0: My name is Jared. And I'm Jesse. A few months back I had a good job working for the state doing something that I really enjoyed and uh, had a lot of good people that I worked with and um, in August uh, the company came out with a new requirement to be eligible to work there. Uh, you had to get the COVID vaccine or uh, you'd be terminated, uh, basically. So. Um, For me personally, um, that was not a good fit uh, for me to get that, so that kinda led us into a really tough decision uh, at that point, and we kinda had to go into major prayer mode uh, at that point.
1: Yeah, so um, that was very scary. (laughs) We didn't know, gosh, it would've been so much easier if we could just get this vaccine and stay here, but I knew Jared's heart, and so we went into serious prayer mode, and we Honestly, I asked God to, to take away this feeling that we had, that if, it would be so much easier to, to get it and stay here and not have to worry about the details of where we're gonna live and what job he'll have. And God has a way of making you wait until just his perfect timing. And it's not my timing, <laughs> but his timing was perfect.
0: Uh, about a month prior, when I knew that uh, you know, an accommodation wasn't really an option there, Um, I kind of went into job search mode at that point, and um, we were kind of waiting on God's timing and uh, a lot of doors were being closed, and as it got closer and closer, um, you know, we really had to to trust God, and um, it's really hard not to um, think in a human way and worry about, you know, how am I going to be able to provide for our family and have all those answers, but like Jesse was saying, you know, God's timing is impeccable, and um, funny enough, on my last day of employment um, with the place that I was working at, my coworker was driving me home, and I got a phone call from a place that I interviewed for and some place that I was really excited to work, and they offered me a job. And it just was a huge example of how God provides and um, you know His, His timing is impeccable.
1: I think the biggest thing through this whole process that that God was teaching us was was to rely on Him, to trust Him, and. He'll take care of all the details, and that was super hard because you know I, I I pray and then I trust him, and then all of a sudden you know you start thinking about all the little details, and you go, oh my gosh, and you just feel this heaviness. Like and then I I stop and I go, oh my gosh, I'm looking at all all the things that need to get done. We need to sell the house. We need to find a new house. The the job, and and I realized I wasn't looking at God anymore. I was I was thinking of the worldly sense of what we need for our family and so then I turn back to God and I pray and uh, the anxiety didn't go away immediately but I could feel the weight lifting off my shoulders.
0: I think the the toughest part through this the situation um, was trying to reason I guess in my human way of how I'm going to be able to provide for my family and, and have all those details figured out but um, those, that was the situation that I really had to trust in God, because He's already got everything figured out, and I don't have to worry about the details. I just have to trust in Him, and I can put everything else on His shoulder, and that was the biggest thing for me.
2: Well, good morning. I think it's great that even through mandates and personal convictions and open and closed doors that God is trustworthy, Amen. And God's provided a great job for Jared and Jesse. And I love to say this, and I say it all the time. If you're new here, you may not have heard me say it. But God's plan for your life is always better than your plan for your life. I had a plan for my life in high school. God's plan has been better than my plan. And it will continue to be better than my plan for my life. And I think that's true of you and everyone. Um, By the way, real quick, if you are planning to move to Idaho or Texas, we've decided there'll be no more of that from Washington State, all right? If you do, I will call your new pastor and I'll say, oh, Jennifer, you know, she's great. I mean, she did steal the offering twice. But, um, you know, Bob, Bob we, we got Bob out of jail three times. But besides that, he, we're happy that he's in Texas. I'm going to just call and rat you out, okay? So, so you be a part of what God is doing because God wants to do great things here in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest. Amen? I believe that God wants to use you to do great things, and uh, I want to be here. This is the place I want to be. It's not the place, you know, you go to other parts of the country, and you're like, and they go, you're a pastor? They're like, oh, come on in. Here they go, you're a pastor? You know, they kind of wary of you. But this is a great place to be, because serving Jesus in the Pacific Northwest is a really fun place uh, to see what God is doing and moving in our midst. So I love that. So John chapter 3, the title of the message today is this, Jesus is greater than religion. And some of us, we grew up, and we grew up with a lot of religion, but not a whole lot of relationship with Jesus. And, and so this, this phrase it was actually more meaningful to you than it is to some of the others. Um, because you had a lot of rules, you had a lot of traditions, you had a lot of things you are supposed to do. Maybe you had a lot of people then or now that looked down their nose at you in a religious fashion. And today we're going to talk about Jesus and how he is greater than religion in our life. I like to ask this question, what does it mean to be religious? Right, because people will say this, I go to the, to the, to the dentist religiously. I always laugh at things like that. Like, what does that mean? Um, people say, like, he found religion, or, or she's a very religious uh, woman. And, or people will say, I can't do that, it's against my religion. And I just think that word is kind of funny. I mean, here I am, a full time pastor for 20 some years, and I still think the word religious or religion is kind of a strange word uh, because we really believe that beyond religion, there is a relationship with the living God. Uh, A singer way back in the 70s or 80s said it like this He said, I'm not religious, I just love the Lord. Like, I'm not into religion, I'm just, I love the Lord, I have faith, I like this word, I like it so much better than religion, I have a worldview that includes God. If you want to call me religious, call me religious, but my worldview includes a God who created us and a Savior who came for us. So if that's religious, okay, you can call me religious. But I like this quote, religion is a guy uh, in church thinking about fishing, but relationship is a guy out fishing thinking about God. Isn't that good? Because when he touches your life, it's not something you must do or you're supposed to do. Um, He's part of your life. And listen, I don't want to know about God. I want to personally know God. And what I discovered as a teenager is there is a a God who is personal. He's real. It's not a bunch of rules, not a bunch of laws, not fearing hell and, and trying to get to heaven by being better than most people. It's a relationship with the living God who genuinely loves us and wants us with him. So our text today is Nicodemus. I love this guy. It's found in John chapter 3. Nicodemus is a religious man. In fact, he's a highly, deeply respected religious Pharisee, if you want to know the, the term. Uh, and he knows in his heart that there is more. Do you know sometimes it's the people who are telling, like, telling everybody what to do. Like, inside they're going... I think he's this religious guy and everybody respects him and everybody thinks he's the teacher and he has all the answers. But, you know, he goes home at night and he looks in the mirror and he goes, there's got to be more than what I know. There's got to be more than what my human mind can understand. I don't want to be looked at as if I'm somehow like the, the authority on God because he knew in his heart there's more than what I understand. He's a seeker of the truth, this guy, uh, Nicodemus, and he seeks out, this is so incredible, this highly respected, um, highly wealthy, you know, important, educated guy, he seeks out, are you ready for this? He seeks out the much younger, less trained, in fact, hardly trained at all, uh, carpenter's son, and he goes to Jesus and says, help me understand God. That's a different level of teachability, isn't it? for that guy to go to Jesus like that. So he seeks out uh, this person who might not even seem that religious. He seeks out Jesus um, to understand the Lord more. Listen, Nicodemus is cautious, but he's open-minded and he's ready to receive whatever God has for his life. He wants a new revelation. And this is where we get that phrase where Jesus looks at him and says, you must be born again. How many heard the term born again? Born again. Yeah, if you were alive in the 70s or 80s, you probably heard it a lot more than you hear it today. It's a spiritual birth based on your free will choice. I choose to follow Jesus. I choose a new life. I choose to humble myself. I know I'm not God, and therefore I will surrender to God's plan for my life. In John chapter 3, beginning in the the very end of this passage on Nicodemus, uh, it says this. Jesus says, God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. And one of the powerful things about people who are just religious or people who have a relationship with God is those who have a relationship with God are willing to admit that there is darkness inside of us. That there's a work that God still has to do inside of my life. I didn't one day say, I want want to serve the Lord with my life and all the darkness left for the rest of my life. No, I'm on a journey and I'm learning to grow in God every day like everybody else we all are. Tim Keller said it like this. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. That kind of sounds like bad news, right? That's the truth. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. That's the gospel, that God loves you, God loves you just the way you are, and he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. That's who Jesus is. That's why Jesus came, because because sin separates us from God. And let's just be honest about it. Living apart from God today will lead to living apart from God for eternity, and there's nothing in hell that you want in your life. So invite Jesus into your life. Lord, come into my life. Be Lord, be Savior, be forgiver, be leader. Take care of the darkness. Work in my life. Um, I love the phrase, what thrives in the dark dies in the light. Because when you come out in the open and say, God, I've got stuff I've got to deal with in my life. I've got pain in the past that causes me to make poor decisions today. Things that I didn't even choose to do, but I just had to live through. So now what do I do with that? Listen, when you bring those things out into uh, the light, they die. So what thrives in the dark dies in the light. Just a couple weeks ago, I said very clearly, I felt so clear uh, from God to say this. I think it was in this gathering that someone here is in an online relationship, and you need to bring that out into the light or it's going to destroy you. Isn't it great that in God's restraining mercy, he allows us to get caught or convicted in something so we don't have our lives destroyed and we get back on track? Listen, when God corrects you, it's because he loves you. Wouldn't it be great if we said, God, correct me more often? Because I, I, you know, some of you are like, you're sitting next to someone who tends to get off track really fast. And they're sitting next to someone who tends to get off track really fast. Lord, love me, correct me, make sure I don't uh, stray away from you. So here's, I think, what's important. Believers and unbelievers, they have different attitudes towards the light. Unbelievers hide from the light because it exposes their sin, and they don't want it exposed. But believers move towards the light so that their true motives may be revealed. And they might find understanding and help along the way. Nicodemus is one of those guys. So here's point number one. Nicodemus sought out Jesus. Let's read it together. In fact, we're going to put it on the screen here. Nicodemus sought out Jesus. Here's verse 1 and 2 of chapter 3. It says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. This is important. After dark... Uh, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. The reason why we stopped and kind of circle after dark is many theologians believe, you know, he could have gone to Jesus at any time during the day, but because he's this religious leader and Jesus is a bit of a revolutionary, he goes to Jesus at night so as not to get in trouble with all the highly religious crowd and say, Jesus, you're, you're changing things up. You're making people mad. But I got to know. I got some questions. I want to talk to you. It appears that Nicodemus is a believer, but not yet a follower. Uh, he sees something in Jesus, but he hasn't quite made a decision on who he is and how that changes his life uh, as a believer. Listen, being a secret admirer of Jesus would cost him nothing. Jesus has lots of secret admirers. But following Jesus came with a high price tag, and it always does, and it does today. You can believe in God, and no one will expect any behavior from you. But the moment you say, I'm a Christ follower, that changes everything. All of a sudden, that Jesus is teaching, you have to actually practice in your real life. So um, a while back, um, this uh, group of people came out with... uh, Uh, kind of some depictions in video of Jesus it's called the chosen some of you've seen some of those videos and um, every time someone just uh, tries to depict Jesus in film I'm like here we go it's going to be terrible it's going to be cheesy it's going to be 1960s or something can I tell you that the uh, 21st century depictions of biblical stories in Jesus are so much better than the 20th century if you weren't there trust me it's a lot better And, um, you know, not everything is is straight out of the scripture, but nothing I've seen so far is contrary to scripture. And so I was was, uh, looking at this and I thought, you know, we could see a a little clip of how uh, the people who wrote the Chosen series might have uh, seen this conversation uh, that happens when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And so we're going to watch three short videos today in this gathering. And this is Nicodemus humbling himself and coming to Jesus that night with a lot of questions, maybe like you and like me. Go ahead.
3: I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds. With their rhetoric and fiery tone, I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about no not that kind then what a sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again born again yes you mean like a new creature a conversion from gentile to jewish no no that's not what i'm talking about then what is born again Hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead.
2: Don't you like it when the really educated man asks the stupid question for you that you know everybody's asking? Usually it's Peter who asks the question, like, Lord, we don't get it, we don't understand. I love that Nicodemus goes to Jesus, and I actually like this portrayal of Jesus because in the chosen they bring out the humanity of Jesus. You know, we tend to go wherever Jesus went. If if he touched a light pole, it like lit up. You know, like a Billy uh, Jean video, like a Michael Jackson or something. And every time he was out in the wilderness, he talked to rabbits, and rabbits talked back to him. You know, like we just think that, and we don't realize that Jesus subjected Himself to humanity, and yet Jesus is now really letting uh, the Godhood. The, he's both fully God, fully man, and he's letting uh, the gifts and the calling of His life begin to unfold. So this is uh, a moment. Uh, The man is willing, Nicodemus, to come with his questions. He's seeking out Jesus. Listen, if you're not a believer yet, keep seeking. Don't stop seeking. He seeks out Jesus. Nicodemus sought him out. Um, The man wants more than just religion. He's seeking more um, from Jesus. He's seen the miraculous works, and he's seen uh, uh, what Jesus has done. But understand this. Nicodemus, we underestimate how much he has to lose. All the respect of his community. If he were to really turn and follow Jesus, he would lose perhaps everything in his life. Maybe his marriage, certainly his role uh, as a leader, his reputation. Everything's on the line for him. But he sought out Jesus, and as we will see, he begins to seek him out more and more in his life. D.L. Moody said this. He said, some people think God uh, does not like to be troubled by our constant coming and asking Uh, The way to trouble God is to not come at all. So if you're going to God with questions, if you're bringing to the Lord your doubts, keep doing that. Um, Bring the Lord your questions. Don't hide them away. The way to trouble God is to stop coming at all. So keep coming to Jesus. Here's point number two. Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus asked the question, like, what does that mean? We never heard that before. The scripture, verse 3, says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And maybe you have some understanding of what Jesus is talking about, but that's brand new for this guy. And what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, "I assure, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Listen, here's the reality. Jesus is, pre- is talking about John the Baptist. He said, John taught you about water. This is a baptism of repentance. A- and the messenger of God is going to come, and he's going to release the Holy Spirit into the world. So you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. To be baptized in water, to die to yourself. It's a whole new life. When Jesus says be born again, it's like water baptism. I'm dying to myself. Today's the day where I say, I'm not living for me. I'm being buried under the earth's surface, and I'm going to live a different life, a new life. I'm coming up a new creation with the Lord today. And then Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it's coming from, so it is with, with, uh, with those um, it comes from or from where it's going, so you can't explain people who are born of the Spirit. Listen, I hope that you're a person in your life that the Holy Spirit leads you in places and has you say things and do things. You don't even know why you're doing it until you look back on those moments, Amen. There are so many times in your life, like, I don't even know why I'm here. And then later on you go, oh, that's why I was there. Right? Because people who are led by the Holy Spirit are, are, are living God's plan for their life, not just their plan. But here's the problem. Being born again means to be born from above. And it means you have to let go of what you want. It means you have to decide that the sins that are so natural and comfortable to you, that you can easily look at and explain away and say, well, I know this is in the Bible, but I, you know, it just, I'm better than most people and, and it just feels so natural to me. It can't be wrong, right? If you're going to be born again, born from above, it means that you submit to God's plan for your life. And that takes some guts. That takes some faith. To belong to the heavenly kingdom, one must be born into it. And only you can make that choice for you. I like to say like this. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering in your life. He's going to interfere with your life. Like sometimes we go, you know what? I just want to be myself, keep doing what I'm doing. I kind of like my life, and I just want to sprinkle a little Jesus dust on it, be a little nicer to people, and be all good. Get my get out of hell jail free card, you know, or whatever, like that, you know. And God has a better plan for your entire life. He wants full submission of your life. He wants all of you, not part of you. Well, let's continue this conversation with Jesus talking to Nicodemus and uh, bring up clip number two.
3: Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? of israel and yet you do not understand these things eh? i'm trying rabbi i know i know do you hear this what listen what do you hear the wind how do you know it's the wind because i can feel it i hear it sound do you know where it comes from No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is, to be born again of the spirit. The spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes. And I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced.
2: New birth equals new life. In essence, Jesus is saying this, Nicodemus, your descent from Abraham is not adequate for your salvation. Uh, You need to repent and begin a new life in the spirit if you expect to enter the kingdom of God. Just because you went to church as a kid doesn't mean that you're in the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus comes from this line of people, the Jews of that day, they had found out that there wasn't just 10 commandments, but they decided there were 613 Old Testament laws. And if they could just obey those 613 laws for the rest of their lives, they would get to heaven. How many of you like me are like, I'm out, I'm out. Just, just one day and I'm, I'm done, right? Because thankfully we serve a God of grace who forgives, who knows that we can't measure up all the perfection of God. And we just say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And we mess up. We say, Lord, forgive me again. And we're on the road to becoming more like Jesus. Listen, if you're here today and you tend to gravitate towards the law, you tend to gravitate maybe even towards legalism where you're like, I'm going to do all the right things. Can I stop for a moment and say, I've been with missionaries, praying grandmas, pastors. I'm going to tell you something. We're all like Nicodemus. We're all very aware of our own sins. No one's even close to perfect. You're not going to somehow attain perfection. So how much better just to admit your struggle and invite the light into your darkness, and Lord, heal, restore, and speak to me. Save me from my sin and myself. Nicodemus asks how all this is possible, and Jesus, of course, challenges with that. And then Jesus makes a rather strange statement. We just have a moment, but. Um, he says this as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, the Son of Man must also be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. If you know the story in the Old Testament, um, Moses made a serpent out of brass, and it wasn't one of those times where the people uh, were worshiping an idol. Instead, the people who had been disobedient, the people of God who had been grumbling, um, this object was elevated before them. There was an emblem of their judgment on that, and they were t- unable to rescue themselves. But uh, the poison that was in their bodies, once they were bitten by the serpents, there, there was literally like a plague of snakes, um, they, they would die without help. But if they looked upon that snake around that pole that was lifted up, they would live. In fact, God actually told Moses to do this. It's a very strange passage of Scripture. Uh, today, we actually still use that pole and that snake on our medical symbols. I think we have that. You'll probably recognize that symbol today from these days in scripture. What's fascinating about this um, is that Jesus said, and they didn't get it, but Jesus said like that pole with that snake on it that would heal people physically, Jesus said that he would be lifted up and those who looked to him for their healing, they would be healed from their sin. Not from their diseases or afflictions, they would be healed from their sin. Here's point number three today, your biggest issue in your life will always be sin. Because you're human, the biggest issue of your life is not the biggest issue that you probably think it is today, but for all of us, your biggest issue in your life is your sin. Here's the final clip.
3: I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles. Yes, but even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt, and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites; They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin, from spiritual death. God loves the world in this way, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Anything like this before. For us to
2: imagine a culture waiting for the Messiah to come to deliver them from the oppression of Rome and make Israel great again. And yet Jesus said he came because our biggest issue was sin. Let me phrase it like this: Rome was not the ultimate evil, therefore, power was not the ultimate good. Sin is the ultimate evil, and therefore salvation is is the ultimate good the reason why we have john three sixteen is because someone who wasn't quite a follower yet but was a seeker of truth pressed in and asked some good questions if that's where you are today i want to encourage you press in lean in and ask some good questions John 3, 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Not to find out if you've obeyed only 612 of the Old Testament commands. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So where do we stand? Are we saying, Lord, I admit that there's darkness in me and I want you to come and expose it so you can help me deal with it? Are we going to hide the darkness, explain it away? Continue living with our sin apart from the rescuer who wants to help us. What's the story of Nicodemus? Where does he end up? You know, it's strange because usually we hear of someone like this and we never hear anything else in the Bible. But John actually brings us back to Nicodemus not once more, but twice more. In John chapter 7, as the religious leaders were accusing Jesus and planning his demise, Nicodemus Verse 50, a leader who had met with Jesus earlier, it says, spoke up, actually spoke up for Jesus. And he said, is it legal to convict a man before giving him a hearing? And he was shamed and silenced. And then in John 19, Jesus was crucified. He was buried in a rich, man to- rich man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. And it says this, that afterwards, Joseph, who had been um, a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders. He asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body down. And when Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus. As soon as he started as a seeker, then he spoke up for Jesus. And then he was there when Jesus was buried, more and more pressed in to become a true follower. I'm going to ask you if we could take a moment and just bow our heads and just let God speak to us. You know, you're in a gathering today that talks about the most important things in our lives. More important than your physical health, your job, even your human relationships, which are vitally important. The condition of your soul and eternity. And the challenge for you and for us is this. Will we repent of the sins that are so common to man and the sin in our lives? Will we be reborn or born from above and not just try to sprinkle a little religion or Jesus dust on our lives, but will we actually say, you know what? I'm actually going to live a totally different life, pleasing God. He's the center of my world. I'm not the center of my world. New life. He's not a coach. He's not a friend. But he's going to be the Lord of my life because he is the creator and he is the savior. And maybe you're here today and you've been like kind of living halfway. And you haven't been living like a brand new life. You've just been like trying to be a little bit more religious. Maybe today's the day where you just say, you know what, Lord, I want the fullness of of whatever you have. Life on earth, living it my way, doesn't work real well. I want your way. I straddled the world and faith for quite a while until it just became too difficult. And I personally decided I'm either going to go live for the world, live for myself, do what I want, have fun, take on all the values around me, or I'm really going to go full in to Jesus and give him a chance to really be Lord of my life. I knew if it didn't work and I became some sort of spiritual weirdo, I'd just jump out of it right away. That was 21 years ago, and my life is better every day since. Maybe you're here today, and you're seeking, and you're not ready to make that decision to follow Jesus, but but you're going to press in, because today, Nicodemus is God's example to you. Ask good questions. Press in. Take your time. No one's going to rush you to believe something that you don't believe. Press into God. So I'm going to ask us just two questions. If you're here today and God's just kind of challenging you, lean in. Keep asking questions. Keep seeking me. Don't give up. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really quick? I just need to, I know God wants me to be like Nicodemus. Keep seeking him. Questions, answers I don't have. Yeah, five, six. Anybody else want to raise their hand? Live seven. Probably some at home. Eight, nine. Yeah. There's a lot I don't understand, but I'm, I'm really seeking Jesus. I'm really seeking truth secondly, this may be here today. And today's the day you're saying, I don't want to just be me with a little bit of religion. I want to fully have the new life that God has for me. I I just, I sense that God is saying, if you're here and you're ready to live fully, like the new life, you're just done trying to have the halfway faith. You want the full life and you're here. Would you stand all the way to your feet before we pray? Cause I think that God is speaking to you and saying you got to go all in and I don't want you to just kind of raise your hand and go home I want you to stand up and say Lord I want you to be Lord of my life I'm I'm making you fully fully following after you and so I don't care if I have to stand up in church and other people don't that makes me feel a little uncomfortable so be it I'm not going to be a secret admirer or follow from afar. I don't want to be halfway in faith and halfway living for myself. I want to fully live for God. I want to be reborn. Anybody else want to join maybe 10 or so that are already standing? I want to go all in. I want to be fully born again. Praise God. Praise God. If you're standing at home, that absolutely counts as well. Let's pray. Lord, we all need you. The person who's sitting and wants to be standing needs you. The person who's followed you for 70 years of her life, she needs you. Like those of us, God, who are prone to legalism, we need you. God, those of us that are Are seeking but haven't quite stepped across the line of faith. We desperately need you. So, Lord, help us to understand it's not being religious, it's not being a good citizen, it's not trying to go to church once in a while and calling that good. It's an entirely new way of living that the world isn't centered around me and my desires and my wants, but is laying down my life. To follow the one who laid down his life. The sinless one, the son of God. So Jesus, if you will receive us, we want the fullness of your grace come into the corners of our lives and God, eradicate the darkness. And God, let every day from this moment on, especially for those who are standing, God, we live in the fullness of following after you. Lord, thank you for your grace we need it. We acknowledge we can't be good enough. We need your forgiveness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just applaud for everybody that just took a moment to stand up or also said, I'm seeking God with my life. Man, that's amazing. Listen, if you're seeking, keep seeking God. Don't let something stop you from keeping leaning in, pressing in. Next Sunday, church is going to be perhaps the highlight of our church calendar. It's going to be right up there with easter so i want to make sure you're here next sunday you bring someone if you're traveling make sure you get online it's going to be a fantastic day bring a friend all right god bless you have a great week in the lord